Hello, everybody. Today, we are talking about a curriculum for self-taught artists focusing on printmaking. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at Art Prof, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. This is a part of our series of curriculums for self-taught artists. And the purpose is for us to provide a comprehensive overview of a specific field. So when we talk about printmaking, there's so many techniques, but fundamentally, Dorian, how would you define printmaking, say, as opposed to a painting? Oh, I think you're muted. You're muted. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I was totally just mouthing the whole time. Uh, but I would say printmaking is the technique and craft of actually replicating the similar image or something that you carve engrave into an object. Uh, what that object is is up to the user or whatever you might be screen printing with might be up to the user, but the variations of just replicating some design. Uh, Printmaking is a huge universe. And I find, Mia, that a lot of people probably maybe have done some linoleum block printmaking, maybe rubber stamps or so. But I know you were able to take two printmaking classes at RISD, which were very intensive and involved. And do you feel like your world got bigger after you took those classes? Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky because I was given the resources to play with more expensive materials and tools um, and really learn firsthand how involved printmaking is. I took a silkscreen class and a woodcut class, and um, I had only done linoleum carving in the past, so it was really great and expansive. And if I still had those resources, I would probably be printmaking a lot more than I currently am. <laughs> Tell us in the chat, who here has done printmaking? And if you have, what technique have you done? And who here has never done it before so we can peer pressure you to get started? Another way I've heard printmaking described is that it is art for the people. So you have to imagine, let's just say in the Renaissance, they're doing all of these egg tempera and oil paintings there's only one. And so therefore only one collector can own that painting. But this idea of having a matrix, which in this case would be the woodblock, and then being able to produce, oh my gosh, you could do a thousand if you wanted to. Dorian, how does that democratize the art world in a way? Well, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing because it makes art readily accessible to a lot of people for a low cost price and it makes it seem like it doesn't have to be this masterpiece that is framed and hanging up in a place that's not accessible by a lot of people uh, that aren't even really represented in those spaces to begin with so yeah i think it's an amazing thing and it creates a discussion for future works as you can see from things that we're creating now <laughs> Mia, how would you say this is different? Because here you're silk screening and you're able to print them on all these shirts and you can sell them. How is that different than making an oil painting from your experience? How does that feel different? I mean, I love making prints and repurposeful um, artworks through the art of printing versus like digital printing and oil painting a bunch of times because a painting is so 
it feels like tangible and malleable. And it's hard to recreate that in a printed image of that painting. It feels like you're trying to take this one of a kind thing and almost cheapen it unless you have like really high quality printers. Whereas with printmaking techniques, it's almost like you're making a billion of the piece. You have just one oil painting, but you have 20 um, prints that are really high quality and they're all kind of originals in their own way, which I think, um, I don't know, makes them more valuable <laughs> than just a digital print. And we've got in our community, we also have intaglio relief, rubber stamps and silk screening, tiny bit of linoleum, cyanotype and dry point and jelly printing. So fantastic. I'm so glad that some of you have been able to dip your toes into it. Because one of the things about printmaking that I think is hard to understand until you've gotten the big picture is that some printmaking is extremely high end. Like you need a professional shop, you need a press and everything. But then there's printmaking you can do at home with my cute little press named Benedict. He keeps me company in my studio. But there's also, for example, potato prints. You can just throw print on a potato or just even a sheet of paper and it's like you press it you gotta print so that's always amazed me is that it does have that extraordinary range that maybe some other materials don't have this is to me the absolute best reference for printmaking this is the printmaking bible and i use it all the time when i taught printmaking when i've done tutorials so if anybody here wants a really solid foundation this is the book to get so here are the areas we're going to talk about lithography intaglio relief image transfers monotype silk screening calligraphs photographic printmaking let's start with lithography lithography is so hard to explain but it's basically where you have, for example, in stone lithography, you have these super heavy stones out of limestone. They're so heavy that there's actually a forklift in the print shop at RISD because they're incredibly heavy. And so you draw on it with like a very greasy crayon, you process it with acid, and you end up with these really, well, not this one. This is a crappy print I did when I was at RISD. These are all my student prints. I don't think these are that good. But I love these as an alternative to, say, charcoal drawings, which are not really that durable. So, Mia, would you believe this is a charcoal drawing if somebody didn't tell you it was a lithograph? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's the most shocking thing about this printmaking technique, at least in my opinion, because everything just looks like it's pulled from a drawing class. And it's hard for me to even conceptualize the process of how something this involved and extravagant can be reprinted a bunch of times. It's, it must be really crazy to be in that environment. And what's amazing about a lithograph is sometimes they're really hard to spot. Like, for example, Dorian, we have these prints by Michael Mazur. Would you guess at first glance that it's the same process as these Toulouse-Lautrec pieces? I'm just sitting here in amazement right now still. Like, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, it's such a precise... I think it's almost like computers creating something for us at this point. Like the fact that it can be replicated so easily and be done in such an 
almost like late not lazy but like very uh different way i don't know it's amazing it's amazing i love this so much i wouldn't be able to tell the difference if i were to walk up next to the piece itself anna says litho is beautiful but so hard grinding the stone gives you so many hand cramps i have this fantasy <laughs> that someday i'm gonna have an army of printmaking assistants they're gonna grind all the stones for me because some of the stones i'm not exaggerating they can take five hours to grind so it's really grueling but if you're lazy <laughs> you can get a aluminum plate which is literally that and it's coated with a specific surface so that when you draw with the greasy crayon on top you can get that reaction but there is a big difference i happen to like stone lithography better if you look at these images you'll notice that the texture is not the same as some of the stone lithographs. So there's all these variations on lithography that we're not gonna get into, but it's a very rich technique that is a pain in the butt, but gets great results. Okay, let's talk about intaglio printmaking. So intaglio printmaking is where you have, usually it's a copper plate and you make some line into that that digs a groove into the plate and that's where the ink goes it's the opposite of relief relief is a totally different thing and here we've got engraving which is so hard i mean mia these are burins i don't know if you've ever used one but aren't you just shaking your head at what the heck you do with these <laughs> yeah i'm literally shaking my head because i cannot even fathom. I mean, some of the example slides in this slideshow, I was like gawking at because I was showing all my friends. I was like, can you even believe this isn't just a pen drawing? Part of me thinks like, I get what the point is, but part of me is like, why would you carve something that extravagant? Like your hand must be falling off. It's so insane, but it's gorgeous. All of these images are just mind blowing. So these are engravings that have been transferred to ceramic plate. This is by Andrew Raftery, my um, colleague and dear friend from RISD. And Dorian, I think a lot of people would look at these and say, oh, it's a pen drawing. But then what goes through your mind when you see this setup and all the tools? That whatever price an artist wants to charge you for that is worth it. And <laughs> like the amount of time and energy that goes into it, whether it's a print or not, the process of actually creating what creates that print is so detailed and so precise. Like the amount of care that you have to have going into that and knowing that you really can't make a mistake. Like it's, it's, a, it's beautiful. I mean, you can, you just pay for it. <laughs> you just have to like rave like crazy. <laughs> and I am so happy. I saw this engraving in real life, this Durer, Adam and Eve. And I'm like, nobody should be allowed to be able to make work <laughs> like that. Like, why did I just give up now? Because I'll just never live up to this experience. Okay, so the next intaglio technique is line etching, and this is an acid-based technique. Mia, have you ever used acid for printmaking? No, I haven't. I mean, I would love to if given the chance. Um, it looks phenomenal. Again, it's one of those things where I can't even believe these are replicable prints. <laughs> 
Yeah, the acid thing changes things. For example, there are lots of scary supplies in printmaking. I'm wondering, Dorian, in your silk screening process, do you use scary supplies or are you able to get fairly safe things? <laughs> you are able to get fairly safe things, but I will say like my press, like the springs on it, sometimes when they get all funky and whatnot, you have to constantly tighten them. And it can like fly up, it can like fall down randomly. Uh, it's also a delicate material to be working with when you have anything that's a cloth or mesh material, because as soon as you rip it, it's like your heart just snaps into and you're like, ah. Like imagine Benedict Cumberbatch dying in a movie. You don't want to see that. Don't say that. <laughs> that hurts me. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if it's a historical figure because I'm like, okay, Alan Turing died. That's fine. <laughs> Um, but Mia, I think the materials of printmaking are so diverse and very overwhelming for a lot of people at first, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've taken printmaking classes and I still don't know half of the techniques and materials required for, so, let alone like all of the different effects. Like you have woodcut, but think about all the different effects of woodcut or the different effects of silkscreen that people who have seasoned professionals who have practiced for years only know that because of how much practice they've had. And so mm. we're only just barely scratching the surface here. So aquatint is really hard to explain. Of course, I want to make a tutorial for every single technique that we're talking to you about, but it's basically where you coat your copper plate with a very, very thin dusting of rosin, you put it into the acid and it just makes like little itty bitty tiny dots, which is how you get the gradient, okay? So the lines you're seeing in this Goya print, that is line etching, but then the tonal colors, that's done with aquatint. So this is very common in intaglio printmaking that you would use multiple techniques. This is one where I used a grease crayon for the aquatint and then I use spray paint. I, I use all kinds of things for these prints. There's some dry point in there. So Dorian, I think what's interesting about printmaking is as much as you need training and you know how to do it right and not run a pencil through the press, which I've seen, heard that a student did before, um, th there's also a lot of innovation with how you use each process. Yeah. And it's actually funny that you timed that question like that, because I was actually going to ask you a question because I sit here and I'm looking at all of this and I'm thinking, I know that these styles exist now and these methods, these methods exist now, but do we really know much about who actually invented them and who actually started them? Like we know who popularized a lot of these. So I'm sitting here thinking like who really sat there and was like, all right, I'm going to dip this in some acid and then we're going to see what happens to it. And I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to put it on a piece of paper. Like just the yeah, crazy yeah. ideas that have to be flowing through these people's minds to want to replicate art and probably with things that they have the means to, and access to. Uh, I think that's one of the coolest parts of printmaking. Like it has a history of also not having a history. Well, this is Mesitant, and I actually am reading this giant book. It's the definitive Mesitant Bible. But this blows my mind because this is a non-acid technique. But you can both see that there's all kinds of tonal elements. So you take this thing called a Mesitant rocker. And again, like the grinding of the stone, you have to rock your plate for sometimes eight hours because it, it just puts little tiny dots 
into your plate, but you have to rock it super even and you have to do it in all different directions and change the orange. It's, it's, oh my gosh. It's like, there must be a circle of hell where they make people rock mezzotint plates for eternity because this is so hard. I'm lazy. I buy the pre-rocked plates because I just can't deal, but it's a beautiful technique that not a lot of people know about. And I'm hoping someday I'll be able to shoot a tutorial because it, it's a very special material. Like these are ones by Mikio Watanabe and you can see they're not the same as a charcoal drawing. I mean, you might think, oh, they look a light like a charcoal drawing, but there is a very particular texture that you get in a mezzotint that is not prominent in other printmaking techniques. Sugar lift. Oh God, I don't even want to begin to describe this one. It's so like, this is one of those things where people don't understand it until I'm done with the demo and they still don't understand it. <laughs> so um, the best way I can describe it is you have ink that you put sugar in and you get to paint with it. So it's different than like an etching needle. And so you end up with images that almost look like ink wash drawings. I mean, Mia, do you think this could pass as an ink wash? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen those, um, I forgot what they're called, your series that you just showed, but I've seen those images a lot. And I always thought that they were paintings until like yesterday. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's like a trick almost. So Lula Bell says, inking by hand, the large, long acrylic card plate was much more time consuming. Thought I'd do like 50. I only got six done, only two printed as imagined. Really top half of one and bottom second. Does that sound familiar, Dorian? <laughs> uh-huh. That This is probably the story of many, many, many people right now. Uh, it's it's time consuming. I, like, what's the... What is probably the longest you've spent on something that's related to printmaking? Oh, God. I mean, I've had not just making the print itself and proofing and trying to get what I want, but printing a freaking edition. Oh, <laughs> this is really stressful. That's where you print a certain number of prints and they have to look exactly the same. And so I will sometimes, let's say I mm -hmm. want an edition of five prints. I'll print 30 before I get five that actually look good. So it's extremely difficult. Mia, have you had that experience? Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna talk about printmaking mistakes, I've got a few stories. <laughs> <laughs> so this is spit bite. Literally you spit on the plate, it's gross, but it works and it's got this very strange, almost misty look to it and it's hard to define because as you're all looking at these spit bite prints it's like wait these are all the same technique and i've done it a few times i didn't like it i felt like it didn't work i i don't know it's so hard because sometimes it's just your lack of experience that makes it difficult but this one's really fun soft round can press your thumb into it your thumbprint will print or sometimes people take a sheet of tracing paper, put it over the soft round, and then they draw with a pencil on top. So it's not a common printmaking technique. A lot of people don't really know about it. Not really my cup of tea necessarily, but again, very helpful, especially 
if you use it in conjunction with other intaglio techniques. All right, let's talk about relief. How would you describe relief as an area of printmaking, Mia? Oh, yay, I understand this one. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, so <laughs> this one is where you take um, something like linoleum or woodcut or um, something like that, and you have engraving or carving tools, and you carve little divots um, where you don't want the ink to go. And everything that you leave uncarved, ink will roll onto it, and you can print it almost like a rubber stamp. Um, and that you can make rubber stamps. That's an area of relief printing that is very fun. There's also linoleum blocks. You ever do linoleum blocks, Dorian? Oh, yes. Uh, the denim jacket that I actually have uh, and have been posting about, I do that entire thing with linoleum blocks that I've carved and etched into. Uh, yeah they're very easy like that's the best part and it's like cutting through butter and i feel like you even have that video of you doing the soap on the youtube reels which is right like so satisfying like just uh it's so smooth <laughs> linoleum's a really good entry point i mean i've done it with kids as young as sixth grade I, I mean, you have to really be on top of the safety and everything, but I love that it is very accessible. Now, woodcut is the same concept as a linoleum block, but you're carving into wood as opposed to linoleum. And my preference has always been woodcut. Um, Mia, what was your experience like doing this woodcut? It was really fun. I think that carving the wood was a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. I had avoided woodcut because I was just worried about my the health of my hand, which is the biggest reason why I don't do a lot of woodcut now is because it is very difficult um, on my thumb and wrist because you have to like work the materials a lot. But it was really satisfying because when you have the wood block, it feels a lot more stable than a linoleum block. It doesn't feel like it's just going to like wither away after a while. So I love that stability and structure of a woodcut print. It's so satisfying. Yeah. And woodcut, I think, really reveals the difference mm. between crappy printmaking tools and good ones, because the good ones are expensive, but there's a reason why. So Mia, I suspect we need to buy you some good tools because it hey, really has... Them. <laughs> huge impact in terms of how the experience is like for us because some printmaking it just drives you up the wall where you, you just like you ever had that experience Dorian <laughs> literally whenever I first not like for screen printing and doing my uh, silk screens not having a pressure wash at the beginning I didn't realize how much I needed it I went from doing something in my process for 30 minutes to doing it in two like it, it just streamlines everything so much quicker to have the right tools for the right project. Yeah, like Pat is saying, I'm feeling like right now I'm hitting a wall with my setup. I hand print water soluble ink with rubber blocks. I feel like I need a press, lino, better for gouges. I mean, there's no end of supplies. And so hopefully some of our tutorials will help you with that because there are places you can cut corners. There are other places you really cannot. So we can certainly help everybody with that. And this is wood engraving. Go ahead. Oh, the, yeah, no, I was going to say also just to kind of reiterate uh, kind of a previous stream of fundamentals are necessary. So like once people watch these videos and watch how to actually do some of the first original carving methods with those previous methods that you're doing now, uh, 
experiment with those, like play with them, see what you can do to elevate it or change what you're doing. Because again, it all started from having very limited materials and access to good and to start what printing is now. So yeah. All right. I love Asha. that. <laughs> so wood engraving is the same thing as the engraving and intaglios using a burin, but the difference is that you're carving into wood. Now this is not the same thing as woodcut. This is different because of the burin, but also because you don't carve into a hunk of wood. You actually carve into end grain wood, which I can't even get into, but it's really hard. I mean, it makes woodcut look like styrofoam by comparison. So it's really cool. Image transfers. These are super fun. They are quick and there's no end of innovation. So we have several tutorials, one which is on Citrusolve transfers, where you can get a magazine and you add the Citrusolve and get all kinds of cool, spooky images. Because Mia, there is something to be said about doing printmaking that's not so high maintenance. Oh yeah, I think that um, there's definitely the line between printmaking for fun and then printmaking that makes you want your head to explode <laughs> because of how many steps there are and how involved it is. And I think that um, I I love just making simple, easy, not that everything's easy, but simple, attainable printmaking projects are very fun sometimes. So there's no need to really stress yourself out over it if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, like this wintergreen transfer technique, I could probably pull one in about 10 minutes and it's like three tools. So I do think it is worth for people to research stuff that is not so intimidating because otherwise you're never going to do it. Monotypes. Now, Dorian, this is weird because one of the definitions of printmaking is being able to make multiples of the same image, but the monotype, you can only make one. So what do you think about that? It's like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. Right? I That's love how that. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so there, there's actually a lot of arguments here where people are like, monotype is not printmaking because you can't have multiples. And people are like, yes, it is. And it's funny, it's always known as the printmaking technique for painters. For example, I taught a class at RISD called Painterly Prints. And technically, it was in the printmaking department, but everybody who was in the class, it was made for painting majors. And so I love that printmaking, sometimes it's an accompaniment to someone else's practice because Mia, you've done printmaking, but it's not your main practice. Like you're mostly a painter, right? Yeah, I'd say now I'm definitely mostly a painter. And I think that through my printmaking experience, it really uh, made me think about concept and what I actually enjoyed creating because, because the printmaking uh, techniques and experience were so complicated, I had to really prioritize the specific images and styles that I was passionate about. So it really helped me learn what was important to me as an artist. Blue Run says, the toughest thing about printmaking for me is having access to a large press. Sure, there are shared artist spaces, but trying to do an addition in those spaces is a nightmare. There definitely is a community aspect to printmaking. For example, I feel like if you're a printmaker, you cannot be a total jerk because you have to work with people and you're sharing supplies. Have you ever had to do that, Dorian, with printmaking? Well, not necessarily with 
printmaking like to the level I am with it now, but in previous spaces, like whenever I was in high school and we were operating under the same art studio, art classroom, uh, sharing materials, especially when you're trying to do something that requires precision and requires patience and adding that additional time element, it definitely makes the process a little bit more complicated. Brian's asking, how much time does one print take? Really that depends. <laughs> oh, much. I mean, literally, it could be a 10-minute jelly plate, maybe less than that, to one that is hundreds of hours to print. I mean, if you look at somebody like um, a lot of the major players, like Will Cotton in New York City, I mean, he works with a professional print shop crew that does it for him. And some of the techniques are just so hard to do. So Mia, you've done some screen printing. What is screen printing like for you? Well, I was lucky because I got to take two different screen printing classes. I got to take one that was more focused on kind of fine art prints and then one focused on t-shirt graphic printing. So I had fun experimenting with like straight up line art graphic styles, which is difficult for me because I, I like doing layers and colors and mixing, but I got to explore that in my other printmaking class. So it was really satisfying. I loved the ink. I loved um, the emulsion and it took me a little bit to get the hang of it. But as soon as I did, I was making like hundreds of shirts and it was so, so fun. I wish I had access to a studio for this now at this point in my life. Dorian, where did you learn silk screening? Uh, I did a job with a local screen printing company here in Rhode Island for about a month. Yeah. And from there, I was like, okay, I want to try and do this stuff on my own. Uh, because doing one layer is fun, but not being able to experiment with multiple layers and see how they sit on fabric and actually play with alignment and stuff. I felt like that's what I needed to do so. Yeah, now I do multiple layers, multiple screens. Uh, getting your burn time is the most annoying thing, though. That's what I will say. I don't know what that is, but anyway, we believe you. <laughs> but, so, okay, just quickly, burn time is basically when you are solidifying your emulsion. So that way, whenever you wash out the screen, which means to clear the emulsion from certain areas that your negative didn't uh, dry, uh, once you clear those out, then that's actually getting a good burn time if it looks the way you want it to look. <laughs> Athena says, what type of printmaking do you recommend for a low budget? I would say monotypes. Get yourself a jelly plate. They don't cost that much. A small scale one is, I don't know, $15 or something. Because a jelly plate, you can use any ink. You don't have to use printmaking ink. You can put acrylic on it. You can put watercolor on it. And they're fast. So I would recommend a jelly plate to get started. Or oh my gosh, don't even get... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can carve into a pink eraser. That That's a great way to get started. Photographic printmaking, I, I don't even know where to begin. All I can say to you guys is pick up this book and read the section on photographic printmaking because there's so many versions. There's like photolithography, photo etching. Oh my God. Like, I don't even feel like I know 2% of what's out there. The processes are so involved. Photolitho is used with this photo process, but then it's printed as a litho. 
there's transfer methods on to it's just it like never ends. So all I'm going to say, just read that book. <laughs> because it's like that would take 500 streams for us to explain what that is. Yeah, ginger cell making stamps isn't too expensive. No, you can buy that speedy cut, that pink stuff, which doesn't cost that much. And it's very accessible if you're not making a big print. Mia, you've done collagraphs. What are these? These are really fun. So I had one class in my um, kind of experimental woodcut printmaking class where we just were asked to bring in a lot of random materials to cover in ink and just send through the press. So I brought in a lot of um, like sanitized like underwear and gloves and like things like that that I knew I was going to throw away. It was it was sanitary, don't worry. But um, and then I brought in band-aids that were also sanitary, <laughs> but I covered them in ink and just sent them through the press. And it was so easy. And I had the most fun just coming up with interesting, fun kind of compositions. It was more of an exercise in composition for me than anything else. But you get such cool detail in things that you would never really pay that much attention to in real life. So that was the most fun part about this to me. And note that some of these processes, you must have a press. Like Intaglio, you can't do that without a press. I know some people have told me they've used pasta machines and stuff, which I've never done before. But this collagraph stuff, Mia, I know you used a press, but you can do a collagraph without a press. There's other ways you can roll your barrier on top of it. It's just the press provides more accuracy as far as how much it captures. So you'll notice on a jelly plate, because you're hand printing, you don't get super sensitive um, images. On a press, it's like, oh my God, down to the hair, <laughs> you know, that was on your plate. That is the type of thing that is going to print. And I also think, Dorian, that the thing about printmaking is the patience part, because so many people are very quick to give up on it. Can you explain why and maybe how to overcome that? At the end of the day, it's a craft that you have to kind of work towards perfecting. Uh, there's going to be a lot of times that you'll mess up. There'll be times when you don't necessarily get the effect that you want, but it's all about just experimenting being patient with not only yourself but the process because that's what the process deserves uh, if you want to make something that's actually meaningful with printmaking being able to just step back and be like okay it's going to take an extra second it's going to frustrate me probably three thousand times before i'm done with it but i want to finish it like just be ready to accept that it's going to be one of those things that test your patience uh, i'm an impatient person so i know what it's like <laughs> But Mia, it's so worth it, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I'm also a perpetrator of wanting to make something incredible my very first try at something. So I, I, it was definitely a learning curve to try and get something attainable that was really simple. And then the more and more I worked on it and practiced it, now I'm finally able to get something I have dreamed about and conceptualized to the to the way that I want and love it. So yeah, just practice and put in the work and know that you're not going to get it right the first time. Um, but eventually it will be very, very satisfying. Plus, 
there's that like aha moment where you pull it. What does that feel like, Dorian? <laughs> oh, that that is ASMR. Like especially the sound of whenever I lift my pr press and the shirt stays on the table, and I just hear the and oh yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a thrill. It's so it's like peeling tape off of a nice painted line on a canvas. Like oh yeah, yeah. but better. Much better. Oh, Mia, do you think, as C. Control saying, do you think there's a printmaker personality? A printmaker personality? Oh, yeah. I think that people are equipped for putting in the patience and, you know, slamming the door that will break down over and over and over again until you get it right. And I think that, like, I don't know, hopefully they're okay <laughs> because it's a lot of work. <laughs> Blue Run is saying, with printmaking being so technical and so time intensive, why does it continue to be undervalued in the art world? I can't stand it when I hear, oh, it's just a print. Oh, I know it's infuriating because there are paintings that don't require very much. And you think about the training that's required. I mean, the, the best example of that in the printmaking world is the Tamarind Institute, which is in, I think it's in New Mexico, and it's where they train master printers in lithography. I think they accept like three people a year, but the degree of mastery that's involved to finish that program, much less get into it, is astonishing. So yeah, it, it bums me out because people will look at prints and make assumptions. Like I have Andrew Raftery's engraving framed on my wall. My kids have grown up with that print. And one of them said to me one day, I always thought that was a pen drawing. I was like, no, let me show you what, and she, her head exploded. She was like, wow. <laughs> so it is sometimes a hidden feature that people don't see the work that goes behind it. And sometimes that's very frustrating. I totally understand. Everybody, we have opened registration for our May workshops. We have May <laughs> studio workshops, fan art party. We're also doing sketchbooks. And Erin Tveit wants you to know that the other workshops <laughs> we're doing are artist applications, focusing on statements, grants, and residencies, exhibiting your artwork, artist websites, and commissions for artists. So that registration closes in two weeks. Get in your stuff now because we have to get enough people to enroll to run the workshops. We also have Drawing Cats is the last workshop in April, so you can still register for that up till two days before the workshop. There is going to be a Discord chat after this stream, so please meet us and post live stream so we can chat about Eritivate or printmaking, you know, whichever one we can talk about. Um, please join our Patreon group. It is so fun. You can come to the voice sessions with staff, share your art, get support and critiques from me, Find support in a small group of artists, people who really are invested in each other. It's a wonderful group. We have services, artist calls, personal art curriculum, statement editing, portfolio critiques. Huge thank you to our wonderful top Patreon supporters who have done so much for us to keep us up and running. Visit artprof.org. We have so much content on there that's not on YouTube. Use the search bar to find that. Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>